that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit has been referred to in different ways by various schools of thought. And even in the church, generally speaking, even in like our context here, people may tend to refer to him in a manner that is not actually scriptural. To some, he is God's active force. He's an impersonal power that God uses to execute his power. To others, he is referred to as a manifestation of God. And because God is spirit and also happens to be holy, hence the name the Holy Spirit. However, they do not see him as a distinct person or distinct in his existence from the Father or the Son. Some see him even as a spirit like, say, evil spirits on the same level like another he's just a good spirit as compared to evil spirits being evil spirits and some even like the muslims believe he is a reference to muhammad because of the arabic name paraclete or comforter and so there it's kind of according to them similar to muhammad however what does the bible actually talk about or say about the holy spirit and what does the church, the orthodox view of the body of Christ, what is, what is it that we believe about the Holy Spirit? What is it that we believe about the Holy Spirit? And more specifically, what do you say the Holy Spirit is? Who do you see him to be? Now, before I go any further, I'd like to use this little analogy. It's like a man who starts a journey with a severe handicap. They don't have a map, and they are not very strong in themselves. But unknown to them, there is a companion that they have who knows exactly where to go and can give them the strength that they need to make the whole journey. And throughout most of the journey, they stumble and they fall because they're weak and they're tired and they get lost. And this guy is by their side all the time. And once in a while they refer to him and ask for help. But most of the time he's completely ignored. This is what I believe is the state of many in the body of Christ when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk about what the Bible actually says concerning the Holy Spirit. One thing before we go any further, we must realize that our Lord Jesus, even though he was God, the uncreated son of God, the fully God, divine, when he became a man, he had to literally rely on the Holy Spirit completely in order to fulfill God's will and purposes for his life. At the age of 30, when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him, from that point onwards, our Lord Jesus had to rely completely on the leadership of the Holy Spirit in order not to miss God's agenda for his life. Now, if he needed the Holy Spirit this way, even though he was God, even though he was a perfect man, what say you and I? Now, before I even say, go any further, I want to really address one thing that really is one of my bugbears, and that is at times, People use the phrase, the spirit, the spirit in a very flippant way. 
or even amongst church leaders, sometimes we shy to say, let's wait on the Holy Spirit. Let's consult him. Let's find his mind. As if by doing that, we are not being realistic. But as we are going to see, he is the most important person in this room. Like Nikki was saying earlier on, he is the most important person in any meeting. He is the most important person when it comes to the church. In fact, I believe that the church needs to be Holy Spirit friendly. Not user friendly, not seeker friendly, but Holy Spirit friendly. When the church is Holy Spirit friendly, then I tell you, the church will become the church and the world will see the church for who she really is. Can you say amen? Okay, so the first thing about the Holy Spirit is this. He is a divine member of the Godhead and is often mentioned alongside the other members of the Godhead, the Father and the Son. God is a triune being of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And these three are divine persons within themselves. They coexist together and they make up the one God. So the God that Christians serve is a one triune being. There is no one like him. And we're not going to go into the doctrine of what is commonly referred to as the Trinity. But there is no one like him. And within himself, he exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you see, for instance, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, Scripture says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, this is referring to the Lord Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. There are other scriptures we could refer to that shows us that the Son is sent by the Father and the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 48, 12, and also 16. We won't touch on that. And that when our Lord was being baptized, you see that the Spirit comes upon him in the form of a dove. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. He used the symbol of a dove to depict a certain aspect of his characteristics when he came upon our Lord Jesus. And then the Father spoke and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You find also that the Lord Jesus in his prayer, he, pray, he says he will pray to the Father to send the Holy Spirit. When he's talking to the disciples, you see these in John 14, verse 16, and various verses that we'll touch on later. And then believers, we as believers, we have access to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it is by means of the Holy Spirit giving us that ability that we are able to connect with the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. So he is a very important being because he is God in himself. Secondly, the Holy Spirit was involved in the work of creation. Just like the Father and the Son were involved in creation from the very beginning, so also was the Holy Spirit. There is no angel that was part of the creative narrative. But the Holy Spirit was actively involved. You see this in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. That's one a new, new NIV version. It says, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And in another place, Psalm 104, verse 30, the scripture says, you sent forth your spirit. And they were created, talking about the whole of creation, and you renew the face of the earth. So the Spirit of God 
is the means that God used to bring about creation as the word was being executed. He takes the word that is being executed, he takes the word of God and causes the word of God to have, to have its effect. It's the spirit of God that does that, the Holy Spirit himself. Third thing about the Holy Spirit is this. He is the inspiration behind scripture. All that we see in the Bible, the scripture tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, he says this, that knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of men, prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Another thing about the Holy Spirit is this. He, often in the Old Testament, you find he will anoint select people and use them significantly. And so sometimes believers, when we read the Bible, we tend to look at the Holy Spirit's operation through an Old Testament lens because he would take specific people, anoint them, and use them in a certain way. We tend to think that he can't do that with us today. Because we're looking at them in the Old Testament, through the Old Testament lens. But beloved, our Lord Jesus said something. He said there's no greater prophet that has ever been born of a woman than John the Baptist. But even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. And the reason why the least is greater than John the Baptist is because in the Old under the Old Testament, the Spirit of God will come upon them, will use them for a season, and then lead them. Will come upon them, use them for a season, and leave them. It was only John the Baptist who, when the Spirit came upon him from his mother's womb, stayed with him till he died. Even Samson, who was a tremendous man, who the Spirit came upon in a very early age, it would, the Spirit would come upon him and then it would leave him. Come upon him and it would leave him. But with us now, the Holy Spirit, when we get born again, he comes and indwells us and stays in us forever. Forever and ever and ever. To me, that is amazing. Hallelujah. Fifth point. The Holy Spirit is here to represent Jesus. In other words, he is, it's like Jesus never left. So Jesus says in John 14, 26, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Say all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, I could say on that all things. He will teach you all things. I don't know if you understand what all things mean. Whether it's science, whether it's economics, whether it's physics, whether it's maths, whether it's prayer, whether it's fasting. It's all things. Are you listening to me? The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Often we relegate him to religious things. He will teach you what things? All things. Oh, I don't know if you're hearing me, but I like what I'm reading. And then he will also do something. He will bring to your remembrance what Jesus has also told you. That's why you need to read your Bible. Because you find what Jesus tells you in the Bible. Not in a dream. In the Bible. In the Bible. Are you still here? John 16, 13 to 14. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. He is the spirit of truth. Or I like to put it like this. He's the spirit of reality. In other words, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, he brings reality. He says things as they truly are from God's perspective. He sees things the way they really are. When the spirit of truth, he's a spirit of what? 
truth, not a spirit of error, not a spirit of falsehood, not a spirit of white lies. Are you still here? He is the spirit of truth has come. When he has come, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into what? All truth. Your crooked ways will become straight when the spirit of God has come. He will guide you into all truth. Your Ghanaian ways will become kingdom ways. Your British ways will become kingdom ways. Your American ways will become kingdom ways. Your Yadi ways will become kingdom ways because the spirit of God comes and leads you into all truth. Not African truth. Are you still here? For he will not speak on his own authority. Now this is interesting. So he doesn't even speak. On his, like when Jesus came on the earth, he didn't come to do his will as the son. But the will of the one who sent him. Who sent him? The father sent him. And the Holy Spirit sent him. That's what we tend to not realize. The father sent him and the spirit sent him. As Isaiah tells us. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will not speak on his own authority. For whatever he hears, he will speak. And he'll tell you things to come. Ah, I tell you, he can tell you things to come. Ah, he can tell you what, who to marry and not to marry. One look at the man and he says, don't marry that one and you know you are safe. One look, he says, marry that one and you know you are safe. Are you still here? He will tell you what is to come. Hey! If gambling was allowed, we would win all the time. It's not allowed. <laughs> Somebody's getting a revelation. All truth, brother, all truth. 14, he will glorify me. In other words, he will honor me. He will reveal me. He will make me manifest. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Sixth point, the Holy Spirit. He brings conviction to the world. <laughs> now, you know what? When I studied this word conviction, I was pretty shocked. Most of us think conviction means he makes us to feel a sense of doing um, what is right, which is true. But it's more than that. Let me read John 16, 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Pause. Our Lord Jesus is talking and he says, it is to your advantage that I leave you. I mean, you know, when I looked at that, on the natural, I would say, I don't think so. Man, if Jesus was here, it would be amazing. But we'll be, he'll be limited to time and space. And you'll be limited to this room. But the Holy Spirit is not limited to time and to space. He says, it's, it's your advantage. Because if I don't go, the Spirit cannot come. Two members of the Godhead cannot occupy the same dispensation. Each one comes and does their job and then goes. <laughs> anyway, let's just move on. He says, however, when he comes, one of the things he will do that you recognize him is that he will convict the world of three things. Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. What does it mean to convict? That word in the Greek means to confute. So I didn't know what that meant, uh, confute. Some of you scholars already know. 
It means to prove a person or an assertion or a way of thinking to be wrong. To prove someone to be wrong. So one of the things the Spirit does is he proves the world is wrong. It also means to convict. That means to find or to prove them guilty. Not only are you wrong, but you deserve punishment. That's what it means to be guilty. <laughs> Not only that, to, to, to convict in the Greek, that word, electro, electro in the Greek, it means <laughs> to convince. So the Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin, of righteousness, judgment. What does that mean? It means it's to cause someone to believe firmly in the truth of something or to persuade someone to do something that they would otherwise not do. So it is the Holy Spirit who is able to not only tell you you are wrong, tell you what you deserve, but convince you to do the right thing. And that's what he does to the world. That's why we must never blur the lines of what is right and wrong when it comes to the word of God. Are you still here? And if the world asks you a question, be honest and tell them the truth. Don't say, I can't say. Tell, say this is what the Bible says. No, you say, they ask you, say, I read, I read the Bible for you. Romans 1. And then read the whole of Romans 1 for them. Especially from verse 19 onwards to the end. Just read it. I'm not saying anything. And then also that word convict means to tell a fault. To tell a fault. It also means to rebuke. Now when you rebuke someone, it means you express sharp disapproval or criticism of someone because of their behavior or their actions. So that's what the Holy Spirit does to the world. No wonder when Stephen was speaking full of the Holy Spirit, when he finished, they killed him. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, the, the, you see, because the thing about the Holy Spirit is, when he is flowing through you, you cannot resist what he's saying. You have to respond. You cannot ignore what he's saying. You have to respond. You either bow the knee or you would say crucify him. Yeah. And that's the problem with the church today. The other day one of my friends was telling me about they went to some meeting with a, a lot of bishops and so forth. And they were talking about how can we make the church more, what was the term he used? More, um, not relevant because we, we heard that relevant bit. More, the church's, the church's um, influence, testimony. What's, what's the word? What's that? Reputation. None of you said it. I, I pointed there just in the air. The church's reputation. How can we make the world um, like the church's reputation? So as he listened, he said, uh, kind of said obvious, the church cannot make their reputation acceptable to the world. Isn't the world supposed to not like the church? They didn't like him. He said, I don't think they'll invite me back. Seven point about the Holy Spirit, quickly. He helps us in specific ways. In John 14, 16, he says, I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper. So, who was the first helper? Jesus was the first helper. Who was there helping them, helping them, helping them? How was he helping them? He was doing miracles. He was teaching the word. He was showing compassion. He was demonstrating love. He was rebuking the hypocrites. That's how he was helping them. Helping them. <laughs> he was doing all of that, you know. At times, we talk about Jesus, and we have a wrong lens of Jesus. We see, like Christmas time, that Jesus, 
that we present to people of Christmas time does not exist. The baby grew up a long time ago. Let's move on. Holy Spirit comes to help us in specific ways. And that word helper in the Greek is parakletos. And it has some very powerful meanings. And shows us how the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. In fact, the word parakletos literally means the one who comes alongside. So he comes alongside to assist in different ways. He comes to assist us as our comforter. In other words, he comes to console us. So that's the word comforter where we tend to see many versions say comforter. It means the one who comes to console. So he come, for the saint, he doesn't come to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He did that to you. That's why you became a saint. Are you here? So now he comes to console. In other words, he comes to remove all fear and anxiety. So when a man or a woman is full of the Holy Spirit, one of the things that disappears is fear. Whenever I feel fearful, I say, Lord, I'm feeling fearful. Help me with this fear. I, I, I resist this fear in Jesus' name. Have you ever felt fearful? Sometimes you hear news and you feel fearful. Sometimes you have to share your testimony to somebody and you feel fearful. Sometimes as you are going home, you feel fearful. Sometimes when you are going to meet your husband, you are fearful. But he's the comforter. Comes alongside. He's also the counselor. Paracletus speaks of counselor. The one who advises. He advises. We don't have time. Also helper, he assists. Also intercessor, the one who intervenes. In other words, he steps in to plead on your behalf. He's also your advocate. In other words, he represents. He doesn't just step in. He says, I am here on their behalf. He's your advocate. It's a legal term. He deals with the legalities of the spirit. He deals with technicalities of the spirit. He deals with things that you don't understand, but you need to know to your advantage. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? Hey! He legally champions and protects and recommends our cause before God and before man and even against the enemy. So at times, I just say, Holy Spirit. I say, let them like me. They don't like me. They can't stand me. But then I say, let them like me. So it comes and hovers. And that's his thing. You know, I didn't used to like you. But somehow, I've changed my mind. You're not so bad. You're not so bad. I am bad, but I'm just, my advocate has won my case for me. I'm still the same me. I haven't changed, but somebody has been working on my behalf. On my behalf. Are you listening to me? He's also, that word Paracletus also is a strengthener. The one who makes you stronger. Who empowers us from weakness to strength. Have you ever felt weak? Oh, too many times I have felt weak. Look at you. When I said, have you ever felt weak? You thought it was a trick question. It's a serious question. Have you ever felt weak? Too many times. I feel weak. I said, dad, I'm weak. We both know the deal. Strengthen your servant. I like to say it like that. Say, why are you talking like that? It's none of your business. I talk to God the way I want to talk. I talk to him the way I want to talk. I say, strengthen your servant. Oh, I don't say servant. I'm a son. Whatever. Whatever works for you. I say, strengthen your servant, Lord. That's what I say. 
I said, Father, your servant is weak. Strengthen your servant. Father, your servant is tired. Strengthen your servant. Father, your servant is fed up. Strengthen your servant. Father, your servant wants to kill all of them. Strengthen your servant. <laughs> hey! <laughs> also, he's our standby. The one who is ever ready. So he's, he, he's not only your strength, he's also your standby. In other words, he's there, ready to work on your behalf. He's ever ready. Oh, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. This is God we're talking about. This ain't no dove. This is God we're talking about. Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. Eternal. Self-existent, sovereign. He, he possesses all the incommunicable attributes of God. There is none like him. There is no creature like him. And he lives in you, comes alongside you. The mighty Holy Spirit. As I write to refer to him, as I say, Father, send the mighty Holy Spirit. The almighty Holy Spirit. The same name the Father has, he has. El Shaddai. He's the El Shaddai Holy Spirit. The same name. He's Yeshua Holy Spirit. The highest name. The name Yeshua Jesus is the highest name. I sent somebody the other day. Jesus is more, or Yeshua, is more superior to Yahweh or Jehovah. I wanted to mess with their theology. Jesus is the highest name. There is no greater name than Yeshua or Jesus of Nazareth. There is no greater name. It's the same name of the triune God. Conferred on the Son. Just like my children carry my surname. Buedu. Even you can tell there's some power there. Buedu. Stand by. Who is always ready. He's ever ready on the alert to serve or for immediate deployment on your behalf. That's the Holy Spirit as helper. Eight point, quickly, and then we're going to do some ministry. He is the agency through whom we become born again. Our Lord Jesus said in John 3, verse 3, he said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verses 5, in verse 5 he says, unless a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now I want to read this in the New Living Translation. He says this. Verse 6, humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Humans can only reproduce human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. It is the Holy Spirit that caused you to be born again. And he indwells every believer's spirit after they're born again. And he also ensures that you are assured of your salvation. So when you don't, you see, you don't need your father to tell you you are saved. Or your brother to tell you you are saved. Or your pastor to tell you you are saved. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I remember distinctively the day I got born again. I remember, and when I got born again, I knew I was saved. I knew I was saved. Everybody else was not convinced, but I knew. How did I know? By the spirit of God. Why are you laughing? Number nine. 
They're laughing because they knew what that was like and they were not convinced. At first, they were not convinced. Nah, you, you are an evil person. We are not convinced. Even at 16, they thought I was evil. If somebody thinks you're evil at 16, you must be evil. Move on. Number nine. His personality is also reproducing us. Galatians 5 verses 22 to 23 talks about the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is really the effect of the influence of the Holy Spirit on your human spirit. Or on your personality. In other words, over time, his influence will cause your personality to change. So if you are the same Joe that you were in 1982, when you got born again, and 36 years later, you are still the old Joe, I am not convinced of your born again something. I don't know what spirit you have. Because humans can only reproduce humans. Devils can only reproduce devils. And the Holy Spirit can only reproduce this holiness in a human spirit. Shall we move on? So he, he produces Christ-likeness in our character. In our character. And Christ-likeness in the fruit of our lives. So over time, I'm not talking immediately. Although for some, immediately you notice a difference. You notice the difference. They used to lie a lot. Now when they lie, they then say, I lied. That's progress. Before it was just normal. They would just lie. They liked to lie. They enjoyed lying. They didn't even know they were lying. When they lied, they thought they were telling the truth. They, they thought they had the infinity stone. One of them, infin the reality stone, that when they say it, it just happens for them. You know what I'm talking about, eh? Liars. Oh, sorry. No liars. No liars. Infinity stone. Let's move on quickly. But now the Holy Spirit has come and he has changed you. So now your nature is different. Over time, you will change. Number 10, the Holy Spirit is your primary helper in prayer. He's the one who is the main person who helps you to pray. That's why you find that when you start praying, over time, you begin to change more and you start becoming more spiritually aware. Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So God the Father, when you are praying, he looks into your heart to see what the Spirit of God is praying through you. And you find that he will, the Spirit of God will put people on your heart, will lay things on your heart that he wants you to talk about. You know, some of us, we have our list. So we want to go through the list quickly and then pray properly. God is not interested in your list. He's interested in your heart. Because the Spirit of God speaks to God through your heart. And lays things on your heart. He enables you as a believer to also worship God in spirit and in truth. He's the one who allows your worship to be meaningful to God. Number 11. 
He's the one who speaks to us most of the time. Most of the time when believers hear from God, they think they heard from God the Father. Very few Christians have ever heard God the Father. If you ever heard God the Father, you will be terrified. I've walked with Jesus for 36 years, and once I remember a clear voice of the Father, and it terrified me, and even that was in dream. So if you are hearing a lot of voices that you think is the Father, you need to get medical attention quickly because it's not the Father or the Son or even the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, yes, Father, yes, Holy Ghost. No, you are, there's a psychosis going on. I'm telling you. No, 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 no. We have to be honest. Tell people the truth. But the Holy Spirit, he teaches you all things. He's the one who speaks to you most of the time. How does he speak? He speaks through your conscience. Through your conscience. Because your conscience has now been made alive from dead works. So primarily through your conscience. And then uses scripture. He uses the Bible. Say the Bible. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. So that's what he's going to use to talk to you. People want mystical experiences, but they don't want to deal with the basics first. You cannot enter into the mystical if you don't have the foundation of the basic. Otherwise, you go insane. It's the truth. There's a lot of interesting people who claim God talks to them. God tells them when to wake up. God tells them what to eat. When they should brush their teeth. If you need God to tell you when to brush your teeth, you have a big problem. You have a big problem. Nonetheless, look at Acts chapter 8, 29. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. I find this a very interesting narrative. The spirit of God, first of all, an angel appears. You see, you know, the things of the spirit is interesting. An angel appears to Philip after a mighty revival in Samaria. And says, go into a place called desert, into a, a street, a, a road called desert. Ah! So he gets up and tracks all the way to a road called desert. You think it was um, 20, 20 um, meters. It was a long walk. Walked. When he finally got there, thinking, okay, we are here now. It was an angel. Because I reckon if it was just the spirit saying, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I'm not after this long revival. I need a break. So an angel literally appears to him and says, go to that place called desert. He says, okay, yes, sir, I'll go. So he goes there, and then he sees a guy in a chariot, a black man. Well, he must have been black because he was Ethiopian. Let's, let's, add, let's say he's black man. Let's claim him in Jesus' name. So <laughs> we claim them. We claim all the Africans as black. Claim them all. The white ones are black. They're all black in Jesus' name. So this African Ethiopian, He's reading the Bible. He's reading it. And then the spirit says to him, run past the chariot. Now I thought, why did he say that? So he runs past the chariot. As he's running past the chariot, he hears the guy reading it. And then he says, do you understand what you're reading? I don't understand. Why didn't the spirit just say, go to the chariot and sit down? I don't know. I'm researching it. If you've got to tell me. So then... He says, how can I understand it? 
Unless somebody tell me, what's he talking about? So he gets in there. Oh God, gets in there. He says, what's he talking about? Is he himself or somebody else? And then Philip uses it and begins to talk to him. But look at how it was done. The spirit said, go and overtake him. Now, after Philip does all of that, and then leads this amazing man to the Lord, baptizes him. By the way, church history tells us that through that Ethiopian, that's how Ethiopia received the gospel. Then after that, the Bible says the spirit then does teleportation. I mean, forget Star Trek. This is, this is, this is the thing. This guy is so yielded that the spirit could just go, There are realms of the Holy Ghost. I tell you, there are realms of the Holy Ghost. And I, want, I'm, I'm, I don't want this level anymore. I have seen something. I don't know about you. And I want it. You find in Acts chapter 10, 19 and 20. It says, while Peter thought about the vision, he just had an amazing vision. The spirit said to him, behold, oh look, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Wow, look at this. I've sent them. Amazing. So, he is the one who speaks to us most of the time. And I want to conclude with this. We must learn to honor him. Tomorrow I'm going to talk some more about the spirit. But we must learn to honor him. We must learn to yield ourselves afresh to him. There's a phrase that Pastor John said to me the other day, and it keeps coming to me. I don't want to misquote it, but it was something like this. He wants to set himself on fire and cause others to come and watch him burn for the Lord. We as a people, this is refresh. The most important touch we need is a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. And we need to become conscious of him. We need to honor him. We need to celebrate him. We need to allow him precedent, precedence in our midst. I want us to stand right now. And as we, in fact, sorry, just take your seat for a moment. I want to make a specific altar call first before we stand. There's other things I wanted to say, but we don't have time. I want to pray specifically for those of us who do not know the Holy Spirit at all. We do not know him. We've given a life to Christ. But we do not really know the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. In Acts chapter 19, Paul comes to a group of Christians in Ephesus and asks them a question. Have you received the Spirit since you believed? They said, we haven't even so much as heard if there is a Holy Spirit. And then he talks to them about Jesus and being baptized in the name of Jesus. He baptizes them in the name of Jesus, lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. So you might be a person who's giving your life to Christ, but you do not know the Holy Spirit. And you are saying to God from today, I want to know the Holy Spirit. I want to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the last verse, it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us, be with you all, the benediction. One of the key things is the fellowship, the communion 
the koinonia of the Holy Spirit should be part and parcel. It should be as familiar with us as the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It should be familiar with us as the love of God. And if you are saying, I want to know this fellowship with the Holy Spirit, stand where you are. That's you, stand where you are. I want to pray with you quickly. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're saying, I want to have this fellowship. I want to know the Holy Spirit. Stand where you are. I'm not saying you want to know him more. I want to know him. I don't know him. That's what you're saying. I feel that's what I should pray to first before we do anything. Stand where you are. Wonderful. You that have stood, because it's not a lot of you, I can pray with you myself. Take your seat now. Thank you. So afterwards, when I make the altar call, come to me and I'll pray with you, okay? Wonderful. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed quickly. I want to now pray for those of us here who we know the Holy Spirit. But like the analogy I used earlier, we have not allowed him to be the number one person we rely on. We have allowed other things to come in. But today, at this refresh 2018, we are renewing our commitment to walk in fellowship with him completely. If that is you, stand where you are. And as you stand, I want you to begin to reach out as the worship team come, I just need some of the instrumentalists. Unless you want to stand yourself, then just stay where you are. And as you stand, raise your hands to the Lord. And we're going to make this place like an altar. We're going to begin to reach out to him. If I, if I can have the worship team. We're going to begin to reach out to him. Thank you, Lord. As you stand... I want you to begin to talk to him. Close your eyes, lift your hands, begin to talk to him. And tell him, Holy Spirit, touch me afresh. Touch me afresh. Those of you online, begin to reach out to him. Holy Spirit, touch me afresh. I want a fresh touch. Let's begin to reach out. Begin to reach out. One of the ways you begin to plug in it's through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's one of the ways you begin to plug into him. The scripture says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled or be being filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Begin to sing to him. If you know how to sing in the spirit to him. Softly to him. If you don't know how to do that, just begin to reach out to him. Sing to him. Just tell him, Lord, here I am. Fill me. Fill me. Close your eyes. Close your heart. Feel free to come to the front. Let's begin to reach out. If I will make this place an altar, feel free to come to the front. We're going to spend some time just waiting on him, reaching out to him. The gentleman that stood earlier, come, let me pray with you. 
Reach out, reach out, reach out. Reach out to him. Reach out to him. Holy Spirit, flow through me. Reach out. Where's Angela? If Angela could come to the front, please. Angela Coleman. If Angela Coleman is here, if she can come to the front, please. We bow down and worship Yahweh. Yeah. 